That's it. Did good. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, I have another joy. Can I share another joy with you? And this is the middle of July, and there's six kids in the sanctuary. Amen. We should be going crazy. If you're like me, it's not a very far trip. Uh, <laughs> let's, um, let's look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 13. It goes like this. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other, since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God. Oh my. Because God is love. So you can't know him if, if you don't love. This is how God showed uh, his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationships with God. My dear, dear friends, God loved us like this. We certainly ought to love each other. No one's ever seen God. But if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us, and his love becomes complete in us, complete in us, perfect love. This is how we know we're really steadily and deeply in him, and he is in us. He's given us life from his life, from his very own spirit. Hmm. My friends, this is the word of God for all people. You know, John wrote that first epistle 2,000 years ago, and, and uh, as you read into that, there must have been something wrong with the early church because they didn't love each other enough. And so he wrote them a letter to tell them that they need to start learning how to love each other. And I would hope that 2,000 years later, we would still be learning how to love each other. Amen? And do it better and better every day. So let's learn how to love each other today and, and get a, a message from um, Terry and, um, and Sue uh, about um, annual conference. It was so thrilling this time, this year. <laughs> Come on up and share whatever you're going to share. up here the theme for the conference this year was let us live love yeah. and the scripture that we just read was the basis for the um for the conference and i did want to add the john 4 first john 4 um 20 through 21 as well if anyone says i love god yet hates his brother he is a liar for the person who does not love his brother he has seen cannot love God, the God he has not seen. 
And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother. So I know that we all know what's going on with our beloved Methodist church. And I think that this is, you know, the perfect um, really theme to let us live love because there's a lot of division and there's a lot of, I don't want to say hate, but there's just a lot of anger and not coming together. So um, really what one of the things that was brought up, I don't know if it was the first day or not, but somebody said, and I, I just wrote this down and it's, it's awesome. Unity is not uniformity. It is reconciliation of differences. So I think that was really the main theme, that we, we need to reconcile our differences and learn to love one another for who we are. Um, and one, you know, we, we can't push our agendas and, and hate each other. So that was the, the huge thing for me. Um, and, and to live that love, we can... We can um, show people, I know this, that cliche, and they talked about it a couple times, you know, they'll know we are Christians by our love, which means our actions have to speak louder than our words, and our words are not, um, are not good right now, and our actions aren't good. So to me, that's my huge takeaway from this was, you know, we, we have to do better. We have to do better. Um, Michael Beck, um, he's a pastor from Florida. He came and talked, like, I think every day, right, Sue? Yeah. Pretty much. And he's a pa- um, um, United Methodist pastor in Florida. And he talked about his, what was the name of the, uh, I can't remember what the name of his, his. Oh. Yeah, I don't have it in my notes. But he had, it was a, it was his program. But really what he did was he went out and got people, he trained people, people went out. Fresh expressions. Fresh expressions. And they had church in taco, like Mexican restaurants. Taco restaurants. Tattoo ta- shops. Tattoo shops. Because church, they did a lot of, um, they, they did some, talked about some statistics, which, you know, that's kind of where I live in my life. But um, about 80 percent of people um, find that church is irrelevant. There's nothing in it for them. You know, they, it's irrelevant. They, they're not going to come through our doors um, and hear the word of God. So what his, his basis on this, and I think this is this fresh expressions actually started in, in Europe, I believe, and he just took it and brought it into the United States. But the idea is to get out there, bring, bring the word of God to the people, and then what has happened is they then come into the church and become active members of the church and the ministry. So I've, I really... And then they go out yes. and start another one of these little pods. They, I know they had one at a dog park. Yeah, dog park. You um, know, walking your dog. And, and then they just give short messages. Well, and what I thought was interesting in all that, um, there was one lady in the congregation who was really, really against going into a tattoo mm-hmm. parlor to do that she just thought that was awful but she went in one sunday or whatever day i don't know they don't always meet on sunday they meet on whatever day is convenient for the people who happen to be there and she saw that it was actual a church kind of situation going on there was communion there was study um and she was completely taken in with the whole thing on her way out there was a I assume he was homeless, sitting outside, 
people were avoiding him because he smelled so bad. Part of that problem was his feet were, his foot was so infected. Yeah. And she was a former nurse. She knelt down on the sidewalk there and and started cleansing and taking care of his feet and working on getting them healed. And she has been a very strong supporter of this church in the tattoo parlor. In fact, she even got a tattoo. And she is 80-some years old. Yeah. (laughs) And got her first tattoo. It was awesome, right? (laughs) But, I mean, I think that is that living the love, right, and and getting out there. So, you know, it's hard to to walk outside of our buildings sometimes and, um, you know, be bold and profess the word of the Lord and, and share. But one of the other things that really... Um, amazed me, and I don't know, I'm getting a little confused on things, but maybe it was from our, our Bible study, <laughs> Fundamentals of Faith, but there's a, there's a lar- I think that's what it was from last week, there's a large number of Christians who've never even invited anybody to come to church with them. So, I mean, that I think is, um, that's got to change, right? We, we've got we've to bring people in. I'm in a study Another study with um, women, and we meet virtually because we live we live in multiple communities here in Northeast Ohio, so we do meet virtually. Um, but one of my friends stated, "We if we got in a little heated um, conversation about um, that we need to get out, we need to go to the people." And she and heated but she says I think there's enough Christians in this country they're just not living you know living up to the word but I said I kind of disagree I think people who say they are Christians are not truly you know they they haven't truly heard the word of God and I think it's more of that you know we're Christian because I believe in God but there are they truly um so we need to get out there to those people and get those you know that word to to people there's youth who've never been inside of a church they've never you know been to Sunday school they've never done any of that so I think that was really what a lot of you know Michael Beck's talks really were about and just really that I felt convicted that we need to we need to do more it's hard it's hard um as you know I this was the 20th year I have gone to annual conference and it was it was different. It was it was interesting. Um, we weren't at Lakeside. We had to drive to get there. Thank heavens, Floyd drove us. I didn't have a car. That was one of the weeks I didn't have a car. So that made that took a little bit of that stress away. But just the logistics of what we were doing, where we were going, where you were going to eat, where the restrooms were. And then you have somebody like Terry. <laughs> who hikes you up and down all the hills in downtown Cleveland until it's like, <laughs> I couldn't breathe when we got back for the one afternoon I'm session. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we did good. We, did, we, we discovered a lot of cute little places. Yeah, we found we did. a really good bakery and a good restaurant. So, you know, we did okay when I'm walking around downtown. Um, but I go to annual conference to sort of get rejuvenated, revitalized, and I was afraid that wasn't going to happen this year. Um, we were be- meeting in a big auditorium, not Hoover Auditorium, not with the windows open, not with the lawnmowers going by outside. We had air conditioning. We had 
yeah, semi-comfortable seats. They were chairs like this. But being true good Methodist, we took our assigned seats. In fact, I think Floyd and I sat at the same table um, Wednesday for the clergy session, and then we sat there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday with the same people around the same table. Yeah, we had our assigned seats, so we stayed there. Um, I like the preaching. Um, I think the one that spoke to me the most was on Saturday morning when Reverend Ed Fashball spoke. Um, he is, he's been a district superintendent. He's been pastors in local churches. Um, he is now the director of connectional ministry for the, the conference, which means he works in the conference office. He's the one that coordinates things like lay servant ministries, um, mission stuff. He does all the non-preachy stuff, I guess you'd say, of, of the church. Um, and we had prayed for him early in the year. He was extremely sick with COVID. He was in the hospital. He was in a coma. He was on a ventilator. He's a fairly, I mean, he's a tall, fairly decent-sized man, and he lost so much weight in the pictures he showed us of that. And then the fact that he was back speaking in front of all of us was truly inspiring. Um, and he's, one thing he said that you don't go to the edge of that abyss without being changed when you are pulled back. So he gave, he gave the, the, the message on Saturday morning in two different ways. The first one was talking about, he said it was just a, a sharing and thanking and praising for having gotten through the COVID. The second half was his actual preaching. And the one thing that he <laughs> said that I, and I, I really think I should embroider it and put it someplace, um, phrase that we should use more often, <laughs> especially you. in the Methodist church, I could be wrong. Yes, right? <laughs> I could be wrong about just all sorts of things, and we need to admit that. Um, I think the elephant in the room about the, the disassociation and the split and whatever's going to happen, it stayed an elephant in the room. It was it never truly addressed. They never said. Now, we got a list of churches that have, I think there were 11 of them, that have already disassociated and it showed what they had to pay and when they had done it and everything. Um, but even the bishop kept saying, you know, nothing is happening yet. We haven't made a split yet. It's not ready to be made, you know. So whatever, that's where you stay. But um, it was the one thing that was a little bit tough, being there we had time limits on stuff as far as when we had to be out on Saturday. So there were only four resolutions this year and they were all the same kind of resolutions we always have. We're going to be nicer to each other. We're going to support, you know, taking care of the homeless and the, you know, those kind of things. Two of them got tabled until next year's annual conference because we had to be out of the night center at a certain time. And don't listen to this, Pastor Floyd. But you know what happens when you give ministers a microphone? It's hard to take it away from them. And there were some, just like anything, there were a lot of long-winded things that could have been cut a lot shorter. The business was pretty much the same. You know, the same kind of reports, the same things we hear every year. So I figured, 
it really wasn't so bad being in Akron. I loved going to Lakeside. I liked the fellowship there. I liked having a house where we shared with people and we got to see different people and going down to the lake. But it wasn't so bad being in Akron after all. We survived. <laughs> and I even survived her walking. <laughs> um, and then there was also, and I don't remember his name, but I don't know if he recalled something. There was a young man killed in Akron right before mm -hmm. our um, conference. Yes, the young man that was beat to death, beat to death at Firestone School. His father's a minister. And, and he was there. He was there, and he had to give a report. He's in charge of the finance committee. He had a report to give. That was... And, and the biggest thing that struck me, I mean, I'm thinking, how can you even walk through these doors? It hadn't even been a week since his son had been beaten to death. And his comment, because he did give his report, and then later he came up and, and gave a, a, a talk. But his, I thought the huge thing was, was, yes, evil has touched our family, but love has touched us more. To be able to, to have that attitude of love and forgiveness after that, I'm still getting teared up about it, but. Good. They handled themselves well, and they didn't embarrass us. And, uh, I tried to. Yeah. So now we're going to talk a little bit about what do we do next, friends? And um, um, this is where we need to hear from you. The the building committee and the um, uh, administrative council needs to hear what you think we should be doing next. Um, so guys, would you come up, um, Brian? Uh, Paul, Jen, is that everybody here? Come up and, and, and they'll share with you what's going on and where we're headed next if you want us to or whatever you want us to do. This is where you need to say it in here. You know, it doesn't matter out in the parking lot. This is where it matters. This is what you need to, to share, share your heart with us, okay? Jen, go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, okay, so as you guys know, we are nearing completion of our phase one project, which is essentially bringing the building back to a, a safe and, and somewhat comfortable state, right? Um, we have been talking with, with everyone for a long time about where the other potential phases. So I'm just going to remind you guys of kind of what that looks like. Phase two is... Uh, basically taking the building back up to a, uh, you know, I guess I would say completely renovated state. So replacing the siding, uh, replacing anything that needs to be done, adding insulation, electrical, you know, just really going through and making it um, completely up to speed for a modern facility that we, we could use. Um, it's usable after phase one, but it's not ideal after phase one, right? It needs some, uh, it needs more work. Um, and then phase three is uh, adding a connection to the uh, Family Life Center with a ramp. You, that's the images that you see in the back um, that would make it easier for us to use the restrooms, uh, you know, have a, a, an entry that we're all familiar with, um, and it includes turning the sanctuary so that we can make that connector work a little bit better. So that's the potential in front of us. 
And as we move forward, there has been a lot of conversation around um, where should we go, you know, and, and ultimately, I think Stacy mentioned it, ultimately we want to, to really focus on fundraising. And we want to bring the town together. You know, you saw the reaction with the statue, right? So what can we do uh, to get the same kind of, um, you know, support behind our building that is a center, a center of the town, you know? So we want to understand from the congregation, um, where should, what should we target? Should we target all of the phases? Should we be satisfied with uh, where we are now? Um, just kind of open conversation and dialogue around where we should go. Guys? Kenny, 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 you need to come over. You all right? Okay. Right now, uh, we're taking in about $2,700 a month on the building fund uh, through do donations and gifts from the congregation. Uh, we really don't know the actual money amount of a payment, but if you look at that, you're looking at first $2,700 a month paid off of the payment. So we have to find out what the total is, and then we're going to have to come up with fundraising to compensate between the 2700 and whatever the payment is. Uh, we're planning, we're thinking about going with a building loan to start with, which means we just draw against what we need, and if we have donations come in or if we have fundraising, that can go right directly to the lowering that principle that we end up financing at the end of this building committee. The building loans are usually around 18 months. Now, some of the banks have told us that they might be able to stretch that out to two years before we have to actually do any actual payments on it. We'll, be have, we'll have to pay on it as we go, but you know, to set an actual payment amount won't happen until the end, and we know how much money we've used, how much we haven't used, and we'll have to go from there. But we definitely have to get started on some kind of fundraising, uh, be it dinners, be it whatever. Uh, it's it's going to take everybody pulling together. And what we need to know from the congregation is, do we proceed with this, and how far do we go? Because as chairman of finance, I'm not going to sign any loan papers for any kind of a loan that obligates this congregation to something that they don't want. So if you're opposed to it, we need to hear it. If you're in favor of it, we definitely need to hear it. But we need to know what the congregation is thinking on this because it's just not the building committee that's doing this. It involves everybody. Every member of this congregation has got a chance to put an input in and let us know what they want because without that, we don't have any idea how to proceed. So, Yeah, I have a, uh, a sign ready that has like a, a 
uh, thermometer thing, right, that is keeping track of our fundraising efforts. I just need to know what number to put on it, you know. So are we behind the, this in a big way? Are we excited about it? And if so, then, then you know, who can be involved in, in fundraising? But to Paul's point, we certainly want to uh, make sure that that number that's on the sign isn't something that surprises anyone here, right? Obviously, it's important. Yeah, yeah. So phase two is uh, by far the most expensive. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but it's around four hundred thousand. I think it was four twenty-five. Um, the bulk of that cost is the windows. So replacing the windows, we all know that the windows over there are in bad shape. You know, so there's been a lot of conversation around. Well, can a family sponsor a window? Can we get groups of people together and? you know, sponsor a window? Can it be someone from the town? You know, that would be a huge portion of the cost. Face- w- windows right now, we're looking at, uh, for total window replacement there, we're looking at around 175000 Yeah. That's yeah. the windows installed into buildings, so... And that's not the highest bid for windows, you know? I'm, it's probably the lowest bid for windows, so we're not trying to be fancy, right? Um, it's just they're custom-made windows. You can't just go buy them from the catalog. Someone has to make them for us. So it's, it's very expensive. Phase three is another, um, I, think we, I think he had 175 or something like that on phase three. So all in, I think the loan would be around uh, 500000 maybe 600000 but the point is, we would, we would, before we would officially borrow money, we would have an, a proper presentation to the church, right, that would include the amount that we were going to finance. But uh, before we put the effort into that, we haven't really spoken with you all in a while, and we wanted to make sure that that is, in fact, the direction that we wanted to, to go. So we need to know right now, I guess, and I don't know how to, to do that, but we need to know, should we take this step of going to the district and then to the conference and say, okay, we want to we do this and borrow this money. And uh, that takes a lot. It's a long process. Yep. And this is, none of this is fast. And so um, before we make that, we don't want to make, we can't make that step unless you say it's okay. And then we'll have a charge conference. I think there's two charge conferences in there, Stacy. But before it's all over with, it'd be two charge conferences we'd have to have with the uh, conference of the district and the conference of being aware of all that. And so it's a long process, but even before we do that, we need to, we need to decide as a congregation right at this point in time in life, do we want to go for dollars $600,000 in debt? And, and what I'm saying to you is we don't need to talk about this out there. You need to share it right here so that we, we as the Ad Council and the Building Committee, know your, your desires. Plus, plus we don't want to, we want to fundraise in good faith, right? We don't want to put a sign up that says, you know, protect our church or, or, uh, you know, something like that and then not go anywhere with the money that people might donate. So um, I think it's very important for us to have a direction. I feel very confident that the town will will come up with a lot of support for us. Um, But again, we have to do it the right way, which means we have to be aligned on where we're going. And Terry or Jerry had a great uh, idea about that, and he'll share that one day with us. Um, one of the things, too, that, I, that the Ed Council has given me permission to do, in September I'm going to start a, uh, a, some, uh, some kind of evening service 
in the church. Um, we'll be able to go in. It'll be, it's all fine. Um, J- uh, Brian has went down every time it's rained, I think, and, and the basement's all dry. That's all taken care of. Um, and all that's going to happen. And I think just being in the church will be a big boost. Okay? And so I don't know what night we're going to do it, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, some night, some weird night. And um, um, if you want to... Um, all I want to say is that maybe there's a lot of people maybe never been in the church... Maybe we need to set up tours. Oh. No, it's on. Hold it up there. Maybe there's a lot of people there. Oh, hold it up. Okay. I'm not good at this. That's why I stood behind Paul. But anyhow, maybe we need to have like a tour through the church, open the doors, and just... We've, we've gone a long an way in a short period, short, short period of time. We've got a lot of stuff done, and it's very impressive that... I thought, How is this ever going to happen? But it's... And it's just a few months, yeah. you know. And I know Charlie, he, he asked about going down there for a tour. Maybe we just need to open the church and see what's going on over there. You know? We have heat and air conditioning now. Go ahead. Come on up. And then uh, Vicki right behind you. So I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong. However, if you have been paying attention to what happened when poor Shermie met his demise last week, two weeks ago, this town has been a buzz, yeah. right? Talking about a statue. Mm-hmm. And like we said, our building has been here longer. We do need to use that to our advantage, which we will. Um, but when we first started talking about this, I was probably number one naysayer, right, babe? Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, we had some, some dissension in our home. I was number one naysayer about this. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But as the ball has started to roll and we see things happening over there, and even if you weren't able to be here like I was every day and listen to the construction and see the changes and all of the things, um, the ball is rolling, friends. And we have now just put $120,000-ish into that building. But it's not done right it's not done done so we've invested quite a chunk into that building and if we don't i feel like if we don't keep going it's an absolute waste of our resources and all the money we just put into it you also don't understand how much money has come in from memorials and such not just from you know the people in our community here who have passed on or whatever, people from out of state that have read that this is what's going on and had some connection to our congregation have sent donations for this specific cause. Um, That's huge. I mean, people in Florida have supported us. People from California have supported us. And if I think we're doing a huge disservice if we don't finish this project and get it to a point where our community can come in and be comfortable and accessible to everyone. Yeah. Um, and it's going to take more than the few people you see up here that are excited about moving forward. I am, I, like, I came back from this mission trip, a changed girl, let me tell you. I've got all sorts of ideas, okay? Um, but I can't pull them off by myself. Jen can't pull it, pull it off by herself. Paul can't do it by himself. We all have to get excited about this idea 
and band together if this is truly what we want. If it's not truly what we want, we have just wasted $120,000. Yeah. And also, folks at home, if you have something to, that you want to put in, send it in. Uh, Sharon's back there. She'll look and see your comments. So I, don't, don't think you're left out at all. You're not. Uh, everybody at home, pay attention, okay? And I just wanted to add, just it's a little, you know, when Stacy was up here talking, when we were in Akron for this conference, and I was, you know, I, what's really cool about going to these conferences is networking with other like churches, right? And somebody made a comment to me, oh, you know, they were asking me what church I was from, and I said the LaGrange United Methodist Church, and they're like, oh, that's that church on the corner, you know, um, in the, the center of town. Locate, that's a great location. Like, you know, people know about us, and it is a great location, but it is dark. When we go by, people go by, it doesn't, it looks right. like it's a dead church. I'm sorry, it does, right? There's nothing happening. Um, I grew up in this town. I was married in that church, um, moved away for many years, <clears throat> came back, you know, rejoined the converse, you know, congregation, but there was always things going on. There was always signs on the, you know, of things, VBS happening, um, you know, spaghetti dinners. I was one of the youth group leaders, and when my kids were in high school, we did a lot of spaghetti dinners and fundraisers and cookie as Sue can remember, baking cookies in the basement in that awful kitchen, right? So when, and I was part of, and well, a lot of you were, when we built this life center, it was supposed to be the family life center. It was supposed to support those, you know, those dinners and those Valentine dances and the youth group activities. It was supposed to be ex an extension of our education and our family activities. The sanctuary was supposed to be our sanctuary. Um, and so I feel like we could, we could perhaps, and I was kind of a naysayer too, Stacy. so let me just tell you. But I think we, we need to, you know, when we think about all the things that happened during the week, silver sneakers, um, AA, all happening right here where we worship. And then like when we have VBS, you know, everything has to change around. We wouldn't have to do that. We could actually really bring in more activities and hopefully bring more people in. So, you know, that's just my thought. I, I just feel like I agree. We've started this, and I think there's a need in this community. And I just listened to a sermon that said, you know, there's a such thing as divine dissatisfaction. You know, we can be dissatisfied with how the status quo is in our, in our spiritual life um, and pray boldly for things that we know will further the kingdom of God, and I think that's what we have to do. We have to be bold, and we have to, you know, step out in faith, but we also have to be good stewards, right, of our, of our money and what we're doing. So I think it's just going to take a lot of boldness, a lot of prayer. Um, and then those of you that are good at finance, because I'm not... Um, you know, to really all come together and, and make this thing happen. All hands on deck, right? All yes. Right up here, Vicky. Vicky wants Vicky needs it. So just a review. Phase one has already been paid for, right? Okay, good. Um, did, did Kim get anywhere with grants? She um, has submitted, I think, a total of four grants. Um, she heard back on one that we didn't have enough um, 
money like changing you needed a million dollars worth of revenue or something like that um, so we weren't eligible for that one but I haven't heard that was, that was right. that was correct. yeah I haven't heard back on the other three I know. <laughs> we and we tried hard. I know. We were we were yeah. Didn't and, get that one. And then Paul the big problem with it is is because we have a hard time accounting for it because Silver Sneakers is in here, they don't pay for it in here. AA's in here. They don't we don't submit bills to them and get paid, so we don't have receipts to back up the million dollar Thing. You know, I figured if you got a million dollars, why are you asking for a grant? We do a lot of... We get those still. Yeah. We need to resubmit that. We do a lot of community service, and it's not dollar amount. It's We help the community. Well, I, I'm okay. <laughs> wow. Come on. I, that's, they can't hear you at home. But that's the thing. We do a lot of community service, and how do you... How do you can you dollar amount that? That's the whole thing. It, it's just like the anything else. I mean, you can't million dollar. We're not a million dollar, at, at any, you know, a, a business. So. Mr. Crandall wants. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and Paul, with the loan, am I understanding? It's eighteen months to two years before we'd have a pay, the first payment. Is that what you're saying? We can make payments against that amount, but there won't be an official payment until we actually finance. It's, okay. It's like so a construction can, loan where you would pay interest on the, any money that you take out of it. Okay. So during we the could, first 24 months. So we could fundraise and, and work our tails off and have For two a years. whole bunch of that paid That's off. exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kenny wants to say something. <clears throat> I'll be brief. But I have three points. One is I feel privileged to have been asked to serve on this committee. The members were, have been members of this church for many years. Some of them since they were kids. I was the new kid on the block. I've just <laughs> been here. And so I couldn't contribute a lot. But I followed Yogi Berra's thought that you can observe an awful lot by watching. And I watched these people in action, how thorough they were in everything they looked at, how much they believe in God and their faith in this church. Point number two, from the time Jen and I were born, there has never been a good time for anything. There was the Depression, there was World War II. There was the Russian scare after they got the atomic bomb. I don't know if any of you remember, but our kids had to learn how to duck under their desks to avoid being hit by an atomic bomb. How silly was that? And then there was the earth is freezing, the earth is getting warm, the earth is changing. All kinds of things have hit us. And there were all kinds of reasons to not do anything. And all we are faced every day with a fear, a fear of one thing or another. Each day we bring in the paper and I say to Janet, what are we supposed to be afraid of today? 
and the Chronicle didn't, uh, didn't disappoint me today. <laughs> they, they posted an editorial from the Washington Post warning us another pandemic. The second point is, or the I guess I'm on the third point. When you get old, you forget. Uh, last Friday, Janet and I attended the wedding of our granddaughter that took place in a church in Columbus, St. Mary's Catholic Church. You familiar with that church in Germantown? This church was built started to be built in 1865. Now go back to your American history. Where was this country in 1865? We didn't know we had a country. We didn't know if there'd be two countries or one. And yet these German immigrants had such a strong belief in God and faith in God that they put together this church, which is one of the most beautiful in this country. Now, admittedly, in recent years, they qualified for all kinds of aid because it's a historic building. But I'm going back to the 1860s when they built these church. It took a lot of schnitzel dinners to finance that. And it's got beautiful stained glass windows, beautiful painted ceilings, woodwork, the altar, just everything about that. And as I sat there, Waiting for the ceremony, I looked around and admired that. I felt God's presence, and God was speaking to me. He said, look at what these people did under such trying conditions. It was quite impressive when you think about it. One of my favorite expressions or quotes has been from John F. Kennedy who said, some people see things as they are and wonder why. Other people see things as they could be and say, why not? Where do you stand? Friends, you can see it's not a, 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 an easy thing to talk about, and it's not an easy subject to share. Anybody else got anything they want to share? If, if you, you see these folks up here and anybody on the Ad Council, any of our lay speakers, um, talk to them, will you? Talk to them and, and tell them um, what you're thinking. Folks at home, don't be afraid to, to call in and talk with Stacy and me and uh, call Jen. I'll give you her phone number. No. <laughs> Call, uh, talk with Jen and, um, and Paul and, and Kenny and, and um, Brian back here and, and talk with them and share your heart. You know, that's a lot of money, friends. It's a lot of money. And understand, nothing's going to happen this week. It's down the road. But we need to know from you whether we should go down the road or not. I'm going to print a sign this week, the banner. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's stand together as we finish up today and ask.